0: Everyone, This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can find Author Magazine at authormagazine.org, and we are funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. Conference is coming up the week of the 20th, this month, September 2023. I'll be there. Uh, a lot of people will be there. It'll be a great class. Damon Suede is going to be doing an all-day kind of master class. I don't think it's too late to sign up, so go check it out. PNWA.org. Returning guest, Holly James. Yeah. she Deja Glitch is her new book. She's uh, a lot of fun to have her. Had her on for her debut novel. Got her back for this one, and uh, it's good to have people back. I like that. I like to see where they're going, what they're doing with themselves. If you Don't remember, uh, Holly holds a PhD in psychology, yeah, and has worked in both academia and tech industry, and she loves telling stories with big hearts and a touch of magic, which she has done. But she's got some surprises in store for her fans. She's going a slightly different direction maybe in the future. We talked about that just a little bit. Ah, good conversation. Love to talk to people more than once. It's a lot of fun. So I'm glad I get to share that conversation with you now. Enjoy. right she's back holly james is back with book number two holly welcome to the show
1: hello i'm happy to be back thank you oh
0: it's good to have you good to see your busy woman (laughs) writing and writing and writing okay we're gonna you know some of our listeners may remember but we're gonna bring you everyone up to speed a little bit you you received a phd in psychology once upon a time
1: I did, yes.
0: Yes. Now, and I would say, I think it's not a terrible thing to get if you want to be a writer, particularly <laughs> if you want to write about relationships. I don't know if psychology actually teaches you anything about relationships, but maybe it does. I don't know. What uh, What do you think?
1: Oh, I think so. Absolutely. I think, I think the the value of that degree is kind of twofold in my writing career. Um, first, I think going through. A really rigorous and difficult uh, PhD program kind of thickened my skin to a lot of things, um, yeah, yeah. and it's it's no secret that the publishing industry is very challenging and, and can be difficult. And you face a lot of rejection, and um, I think having gone through that to some extent in a in an academic setting, you know, with peer review, publication, and just how hard it is to, <laughs> to earn a PhD, I think that kind of prepared me, um, helped prepare me a little bit to face the the challenges of the publishing industry. Um, but also it's funny that you, you mentioned, um, psychology degree, helping write about relationships. Cause I'm finding that to be very, very true for my third book. Um, really? and I know we're here to talk about my second book, but <laughs> my third book is, is, uh, also another romantic comedy. And I've, I'm in the middle, not in the middle, hope, hopefully towards the end of, um, revisions on it at this point. And I've, I've actually had to deep dig really deeply into, what I know about uh what I learned about you know relationships and kind of like even like attachment theory I almost got a textbook one day because I I I wanted to I, I it was it was helpful to think of it on that level um to dive into the characters that deeply, so I, yeah I never really thought I would would use my degree in that sense, but turns out it has been
0: kind of useful. Well, I'm glad to see all that time and money spent <laughs> wasn't totally useless. I mean, no, I gotta say, no, I mean, not at all, because you work in the tech industry now. That's your day job, and you write romantic comedies by by day. You are a a modest tech industry worker and nice. yeah. you are a secretive novelist but you know but I, it's not nothing because i mean getting a phd is like a whole thing i mean oh, it's absolutely a, i mean it's no small and to then not turn around and have your name hanging on a door to see, I mean, it's, were you, did you have a speciality? There has to be some sort of focus of your PhD. If your are just be psychology in general, right?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. I actually specifically studied, well, my degree's in, in psychological sciences with an emphasis in health psychology. So okay. I looked at, um, uh, specifically looked at stress physiology. Actually, I studied acute stress response. So like the fight or fight response okay. you've probably heard of. Um, yeah. And I looked at all of that in the context of social media use, actually. So it gets, oh, it no. gets narrower and narrower. Very, very specific. Oh, yeah. no. Um, is
0: social media killing us?
1: I mean, of course. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: <laughs> um, but all that is to say, I uh, I mean, any PhD is going to be incredibly specific. You know, your topic yeah. area, like your Not dissertations on, on something that is of interest to, you know, like five other people in the whole world. Um, right. <laughs> but um, what I really... So from that training is the skill set that I have the ability to design and conduct rigorous research. And that's what I've taken out into my, my day job career. So I no longer specifically study um, stress physiology, but I, I design and conduct research studies for a living in various contexts.
0: Um, you know, and I think of psychology um, it seems to me that if you were to part of, I mean, the core of human nature is I think motivation, in other words, we know we're doing things. Why? How do we stop doing things? How can we do (laughs) like how do we like why are we doing what we're doing is is a big, you know, challenge we all face in our lives. And psychology looks at that, I know, from different angles. And that seems incredibly relevant to writing because motivation, you know, your characters aren't robots. They are reacting to their motivation, to their needs. So that seems like a lot of crossover there.
1: Definitely. There is. For sure there. And I think the more I, the more books that I write, the more I think about that. I don't know, this might sound weird, but I'm a, I'm a very, I'm a pantser, right? So I yep, make up a yep. story as I go along. I don't gotcha. plot. And a lot of times someone will tell me something about one of my books, like, oh, this, you know, this came across a certain way, or you made these decisions because of X, Y, and Z. And my reaction is kind of like, I did. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't consciously intentional, but I think, um, at least perhaps on some, sub- some subconscious level, I am, I am basing those kinds of decisions in, in, um, what I know about human behavior and emotions and, and connections and whatnot, yeah. but it's, yeah, I think, but, but as I'm writing more and more, I'm more intentionally conscious of that, but, I guess I should say. Yeah. But if
0: you're, but if you're what we call a pantser, people you know the difference one people like plots it out some people just find it as they go one of the things and i don't write fiction anymore but i certainly just figure i don't know really what my stories are about even though there are things that to me until i write them so i've learned it as i go too you Mm -hmm. have to be so open to the to inspiration to be to being surprised to, and also i should say given the kind of books you have written so far an element that might be called for lack of a better word magic in other words how did that how did I write that where did that come oh my god that detail I put in chapter one is just what I needed for chapter seven right so you really have to be open to that and it's the opposite of research and study it's like talk to me muse talk to me yeah got a little (laughs) bit of that going on
1: definitely yeah I think I think uh i yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm starting too many thoughts at the same time. I think it's okay. Um, I do experience that a lot. I love what you just described. I love it so much when you kind of discover something in you know, chapter 10 that just was perfectly set up by something in chapter two yeah. and it yeah. wasn't intentional, but it's yeah. just this, oh yeah, it feels so good. Um, But yeah, I think I, I am very open to allowing the story to come to me. And that seems like that would be difficult for me because I like logic and structure and control over things, but I think I spend so much time in that area of thinking and cognition during my day job that when I'm creating, I feel okay about letting it go and just kind of letting that's it true. happen and and kind of just trusting the process. I know this sounds very kind of weird and intangible, but <laughs> that is that oh, is kind this of is writing. That's my experience. Yeah. That's, this is that writing. is my experience that I I I'm very open to like, huh, where's this going to go? And then something happens or the characters will do something that surprises me and I kind of just roll with it. And I love that so much. And that fascinates me just endlessly. Like it almost feels like these fictional people are making decisions and crafting their own story, but it's coming out of my head at the same time. That, I, that's just so cool to me. Just the it way is, that the human mind works is so cool.
0: <laughs> it's, well, it's great. It really comes to you. I think of my mind more like a an antenna, than a thing that creates, I mean, you can look at it however mm-hmm. you want. I know, but it, to me, it's, I'm like tuning it to the right frequency and I get, yeah. I get something. I never feel like it comes from me, but it comes to me. That would be, if I had to describe it accurately, that's how it feels. Yeah, know? that's
1: a great description. Yeah, yeah. Like you're kind of just the the way I feel sometimes is like I'm just like the scribe for this. That's right. this thing that exists that I kind yeah. of stumbled upon and I'm, I'm putting it onto the page. Oh,
0: that's the right relationship. That is the correct <laughs> relationship to writing. I And so you write, to, you've written two romantic comedies. Is the third also in that same is it are you brand different okay
1: yeah so well that's a great question my so my third book with this same publisher that will come out next summer is another romantic comedy but in the interim here i've actually um sold another book in a different genre to a different publisher i know it has it hasn't been announced yet it hasn't been announced yet so i don't know how much i can say about it but um i just yeah i got i got an idea back in the back in the the dark dreary days of winter um Earlier this year, I was just kind of feeling bummed out about everything and, you know, wanted to, to find some joy somewhere. And I got an idea for this really quirky story and ended up um, writing it and selling it. When did it sell? It sell, sold in early August. So it's really, it's really recent. Hopefully the announcement, oh. the deal announcement will come out soon, but yeah. Um,
0: Yes, different now I'm genre, different. Is it a relationship thing? Is it a suspenseful thing? What kind of? It?
1: It's actually yes to both of those. It's so I joke that that my my kind of toxic trait as a writer is I'll write something and send it to my agent and say I don't know what genre this is. Like good oh, luck they, and just and what she, they love to hear. I know, <laughs> but she's amazing. She'll she'll figure it out and and she writes. She's so good at writing like the perfect pitch to describe something. But that book is. Um, I think we ended up calling it a suspense comedy. So it's very much we, that's, in, the, in the vein of like uh like a action romantic dramedy. Vein. Yeah, in
0: in film <laughs> I I'm used to seeing that in in film. Yes, that's not yes, an unusual exactly. thing at all, but less so in books. Exactly. I have to say I've come across very few, but why not?
1: Yeah, it's yeah. So it's pretty similar to the Finley Donovan series. Um, the the Finley, Oh, it's so good. It's a really fun series. I think she's on book. The fourth one comes out in January, but it's a story. The basic premise of that is it is a it's about an author who she's like a single bomb author and she is one day meeting with her agent to pitch her next book idea and the idea is about um a contract killer like a hit woman essentially and someone in the cafe overhears and thinks she is a hit oh. woman and then hires her to <laughs> take out her husband um, this is not
0: so... this is this is the finley no, no, no. donovan this is it's not yours finley donovan.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. all right um, look
0: at you just, selling someone else's book on our no interview. but
1: that yeah i think that series is the close closest comparison to what what mine okay. is like so it's that very much like kind of dark comedy um, a little like screwball comedy in some in some places right, with some um, danger in but it but in some danger yeah yeah yeah
0: well so. uh you're very funny i follow you on social media well i followed you on <laughs> what used to be called twitter and now i'm becoming oh, man. increasingly disillusioned by i it.
1: know me and i really
0: enjoyed your i really enjoyed your feed i think it's a lot of fun <laughs> um but i will say the romantic comedy is one of my favorite genres. and I happen to think it's one of the hardest to pull off successfully and not have it just be a formula. Like it just like, I love it when it works and I'm so disappointed when I doesn't, when it doesn't. So if you had to give someone advice about how to write a romantic comedy, <laughs> what, oh, I gosh. mean, what, I mean, cause you, it's particularly, well, there's a lot of them made, a lot of them written, yeah. a lot of them made. And I think a lot of them just for me fall flat, but I really want them to work, you know, cause yeah. I still love them.
1: It's that's, yeah, that's, i actually had just had this thought in the past couple of days again i said i'm working through the revisions of my my third book right now um and i i realized how hard it is how when, when the plot of the story the majority of the plot of the story is these people's relationship <laughs> it's so hard it's such yeah. a challenge to make that engaging because nothing's and
0: happening also, like yes this- It's just people, you know, like in the typical, like you can't, you know, will they get together becomes the main action kind of, right? But it's not like there's no mystery to solve. No one's trying to kill anybody. No one's trying to throw a ring (laughs) through a crack of doom. It's just a relationship.
1: Yes. And that's the deeper I get into writing and crafting those stories, I realize how challenging it is to pull that off. Um, And I think, gosh, I don't know if I have any good advice, but I think I like to throw in things that are kind of unexpected. So at least I wouldn't, so my first novel, Nothing But The Truth, I wouldn't really call that one a romantic comedy. It's more women's fiction kind of, there's, a, there's a romantic style, in places. Yeah, it is. Um, but The Deja Glitch is very much a romantic comedy. And then my third book is as well. And I, for The Deja Glitch in particular, I um I don't know. I guess I always try to think of like a different angle into a story that we've heard before, kind of like, how can I make this compelling and engaging and kind of turn a trope on its head? So for this one, that's why I haven't summarized the book at all yet. But the book is about, (laughs) um, it's a a couple in LA, strangers in LA, who um, we actually find out are not strangers, but at first glance, they're strangers, um, and they're stuck in a 24-hour time loop, and they have to fall in love to break out of it, uh, but the, the catch is uh, Jack, our hero, can remember the entire time loop, and Gemma, the main character, feels like every day is the first day that they've met, so basically, he has a single day to get her to fall in love with him. Um, and I didn't intend for it to be a time loop story that just kind of came out of it. Organically. Okay. So that was um, my
0: first question because yeah. I was like, Oh, she's found her thing. She does magical romantic. <laughs> yeah, monodies, no, but no, it wasn't. No. It wasn't
1: on purpose. So I, the original hook idea for this story was I wanted to write a story about a couple where one person couldn't remember the other person in a funny way. I just thought that that would be funny to explore. Oh, like sure. if the love of your life came up to you and you had no idea who they were, like, what would happen? How would that play out? Um, and then I started thinking about, like, why can't she remember? What what happened to make her lose her memories? And um, I've told this story many times, but um, I, I wrote this in the summer of 2021. And during that summer, the song Deja Vu by Olivia Rodrigo was incredibly popular. Uh-huh. And I remember hearing it one day, and I truly had this light bulb moment of like, ah oh, de- Deja Vu, that's perfect. So, so Gemma, our main character, can... You know, it's that sense of familiarity, but not really knowing why something is familiar. Yeah. Like I've been yeah. here before, I've sensed this, but I don't really know why. Um so those two ideas kind of merged. This this couple where one person couldn't remember, um, and but she had this sense of familiarity. And then I thought of like, why are these things familiar to her? Well, maybe she has been here before, maybe she's in a time loop and doesn't remember it. So that's where it came from.
0: Um, I love I love this story for a couple of reasons. One, I like that you have the I assume you have experienced déjà vu at some point in your life, right? Sure, yeah, of course, right. And so this way, you get to have something that you have gone through to serve as an emotional <laughs> reference point, right? So you're kind of like, mm-hmm. what if I was like, what if it felt like that for 24 hours straight, or like you can so, but you have something you've gone through that is, that mirrors that. So that must have been helpful for you.
1: Yeah, I think I keep meaning to look up the Psychological research on deja vu, um, because I remember I'll bet it's inconclusive.
0: Um, I'm gonna well, yeah, you, right?
1: <laughs> I, I want to say though, I, I don't want to like quote it wrong, but I want to say I remember learning in a class once that it's something that like your um sensory processes are recognizing something before the memory is triggered, and it's like it's like the the misalignment of those two things happening that makes you think. This is maybe it's the other way around. Something, something there. There's some some timing in your brain of perceiving okay. something and remembering something, right? That are just slightly off kilter that makes you feel like this has already happened to me before, but I, I don't know
0: why. And can't well, it's disorienting because you know what's coming. There's a weird like yeah. when I've gone through it, if it's really like and like a long one, it's like, yeah, oh, and then yes, that and, and then that, this is going to happen. And
1: yeah.
0: Uh, you can see the future. <laughs> I, it's, I like it. I like it. But what I also like about that, and I hope our listeners were paying attention is it's, is I always tell my students, your job is to ask questions. The, the writer's job is actually to have questions and let the answers come. So your main job is to have questions you're interested in. And when you ask, you ask one question, you get an answer and then it makes you want to ask another question, and then another, but your main job is asking questions. Like that's the most important role. And that's what you were describing, finding the story it was question, answer, question, answer, question. It may seem sort of it may seem obvious to you, but writers are really more curious than they are knowledgeable. Is that fair?
1: <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's totally fair. Because I, like I said, I, I got the idea for the hook of this story and I just wanted to see what would happen. You know, if we put these people in this context, right. how would the story play out? And that's what ended up. That's how I ended up writing this this whole story.
0: So yeah. You got interested. It's so, so important.
1: Yeah. I think Back to your question from like five minutes ago. Um, yeah,
0: you're still thinking <laughs> have, about that romantic I, comedy I, thing, aren't if you? If
1: I have any advice for people trying to romantic yeah. comedies. Yeah, so where I was going with the, this whole this whole um, tangent was I wanted to, so once I got the idea for the time loop, I thought, you know, that's been done so many times. We've seen so many right. like films and books sure. about time loops. So yeah. I wanted to kind of invert it and make it different, make it unique. So that's what I did is I took I took that time loop convention and told the story from the perspective of the person who doesn't know she's in a time loop. And we only actually see a single day of the loop in the book. So that's one of my favorite um, reactions from readers is they're like, oh, this is so unexpected. I was thinking it was going to be Groundhog's Day. Right. The same day over and over. But we actually don't. We only see the single day, a single day of the loop because it's from the perspective of the person who feels like this has never happened before. Right. Um, So I think, yeah, my advice would be if you're trying to write a romantic comedy, (laughs) find some kind of. I don't know, unique little quirk that that can make it a little bit different. And I think too, that at least for me, when I'm reading any kind of romance, if there are stakes beyond just the relationship, that makes it a little more engaging as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like you said earlier, sometimes you can read the whole book and it's like, nothing happened. Like, yeah, they got together, but nothing else happened. Um, And I just as a reader myself, I enjoy when they're there's some kind of goal they're trying to achieve outside of just their relationship.
0: Usually it's like, you know, I think about, it's interesting. My wife and I have a very, very romantic story, sort of how we came together and like I, I met her when I was 17 and, but then when she had to go leave, she had to move away. And I really sort of like dreamt of her for years and years and we got together. Well, years Aww. and years it ended up being seven, but when you're that young, it's a big deal. And we, yeah. and we talked about the seven years apart and we both agreed like, Thank goodness we had those. So there was a sense like we weren't ready to be together, but yeah. when we actually met and life kindly separated us until we had grown, you know, know, we are still only 25, but still we had gone through enough that we were ready to be together. And I think about that, when I think about the relationship stories, I do think characters have to grow to be able to be together. Like that seems like the best, like what do they have to understand? What do they have to let go of? What do they have to, in order to allow the relationship to happen, right?
1: Yeah, definitely, yeah. That's a huge part of it. And yeah, I think there's so much kind of self-discovery and like a personal journey built into Absolutely. To romances as well. Because
0: mm-hmm. you're married. Yeah, I believe from our last conversation.
1: I am. Yeah, actually, tomorrow is our four-year anniversary.
0: Hey, congratulations. Oh, thank you. Puppy, you still okay. That's good. That's good. But <laughs> I assume you had a boyfriend or two prior to your husband.
1: Uh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, this is
0: life. Uh, and so, you know, you think about, I think about the girlfriends I had in between when I saw it, met Jen and when we married, and it was sort of like, each one was screwy for its own, not that there was anything wrong with women, but just the relationships weren't really weren't working. And uh-huh. it was kind of, I still feel like you got to let yourself be with someone who's actually easy to be with instead of someone who is your father or someone who, <laughs> you know, you're trying to impress or does that make sense? Like you're trying to be yeah. with for the wrong reason.
1: Yeah. No, I think, yeah, looking back on past relationships, I can definitely see like, well, that didn't work for this reason. And now having right. having a relationship that does work yes. makes you see why all the other ones didn't necessarily work out. Yeah.
0: And all the drama around relationships not working, you know, and it's <laughs> just because it's just like you're wearing a pair of shoes that doesn't fit, in a way, right?
1: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> now, did you do you let your husband read the books before you send them to the agent? Or does he, uh, does he not...
1: No, I mean, he would if I asked him to, but I feel like I'm, I'm to the point where I, I, I'm comfortable not having, I don't know how I, I trust my agents and my editors enough to kind of be the first, first eyes on something. But is he
0: a fan of your work? He doesn't, by the way. Totally, yeah. He is, because my wife doesn't read my stuff. Not really, (laughs) so she doesn't know, but, but uh, he is, if he likes you, he's a fan of, of Holly. James
1: yeah he is back when we were in graduate school before I was signed with an agent um I used to read my stories to him oh that was how I yeah I worked up the the nerve to like if we were on like a road trip or something you know I would read I would be an audiobook and read read oh you would really (laughs) yeah
0: interesting okay all right so now so this is book number two it came out August 1st you said was it August 1st was the pub date all right so it's been out a month have you had a chance because I because so the first book would have come out just after kind of after COVID was wrapping up kind of right was it yeah yeah it was kind of right wrap- it was it-,
1: it was July of 22 so yeah, yeah so it was summer. okay
0: so it was done pretty much in the so did you get to go out on the road for that book at all
1: for my first book um I had a I had an in-person book launch yeah um but that was it
0: <laughs> that was it okay well yeah because of David and I uh, did you do a little more t- of that kind of stuff for this book
1: I did, yeah. It's been really fun. I actually had two in-person events um, where I got to sign books and meet readers. What
0: do you think? Yeah, it's great.
1: It's really fun. It's uh, so the first one was actually up in um, the L.A. area. So I live in San Diego, um, and so I drove up to L.A. for this event. And I was late because I got stuck in traffic. You know, shocking driving through L.A. (laughs) And I was so I'm still I still have a hard time wrapping my mind wrapping my mind around the fact that people like care about my books and want to meet I me and, and talk I to know. me that just feels so thrilled so I got there like I was I don't know 45 minutes late by the time I got there and there was like this small group of people wait, wait, holding my books Still in their waiting. Hands, waiting, Still for, waiting yeah waiting for me to sign and I was like oh this is so nice um so that event was really great that was actually a, a book festival that a couple local authors had put together for local romance writers um it was really really fun. It was a 3-day three 3-day three event at a Barnes and Noble up in in Valencia, which is north of of LA.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, um, Valencia. Yep.
1: And then I had my own launch uh the weekend after my book came out at um there's a a romance specific bookstore down here in San Diego called Meet Cute Bookshop um, and it's <laughs> so cute. It's so <laughs> cute and they hosted hosted my launch event which was really really fun. Um, I had another great crowd there. Yeah, otherwise I've been doing doing the podcast circuit. Um, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, good. yeah, I got to write some publicity pieces and yeah, it's been, it's been fun.
0: So you still, um, you still enjoying being a writer?
1: I am. Yeah. It's, I think I'm becoming more aware of kind of the ups and downs of the industry and the challenges that are just things that are out of my control that I have to learn to just kind of roll with it. Cause there's really nothing I can do about it. Um, uh but at the same time it's it's always just so thrilling to see you know to see my book in print I mean, i'm staring at it's right here next to me to see it (laughs) it's (laughs) it's a physical thing and and like i just got the cover for my third book and um it's yeah it's great to see it all kind of come to fruition and be out out
0: in the world and if and if the the price was right would you ever imagine a future where you get up every day just leave your pajamas on, and go to work in this way. <laughs> I do
1: that every day. Oh, you do that any- oh
0: you're, so you're totally homebound. From- oh, so really? No, I, I, your- I,
1: I go to my office uh, one day a week, but um, right. no, that was, that was a joke. I do, I do get dressed every day.
0: <laughs> um, you want to living. Would you do it if it was? Feasible? Yeah,
1: that's, I get asked that all the time. And I think if, if it were a financial possibility, um, it would be really hard to say no to that. Yeah. But I also think that I would miss my day job, I think because I went through such a um, like it took me so much to earn the skill set that I have and earn my degree and, you know, and work my way up in the industry that I work in. I think there's part of me that really um, kind of wants to see that through, too, you know, to see it. And, and a huge part of it, too, is just using that part of my my brain, you know, the whole I- logical, analytical side of my life. Um is something that I really, really enjoy. And I kind of need that stimulation as well as the creative side. So I really do think without one, the other would kind of suffer. Like if I was only creative, okay, it wouldn't be enough. And if I was only science, it wouldn't be enough. So right now I'm still able to maintain the balance between the two, but I don't know. I mean, if I, you know, got a seven figure book deal tomorrow it might, might change my answer.
0: These things might get made into a Netflix
1: movie <laughs> That too
0: easily happening <laughs>
1: all
0: right listen people if you don't I, I are you on threads did you go did you make did you pop over to threads I think?
1: yeah i'm trying it it's pretty slow but i'm gonna uh, try
0: well i encourage you to follow holly on social media i, I don't know i don't do the tiktok really or me neither I, I i'm on instagram but i don't know if you're doing that but anyway i follow you on twitter i really enjoy it or x whatever the hell it is now uh i encourage the rest of you to do so it's a lot of fun and get out there and buy Deja glitch, you will not regret it. But Holly, see, I like asking this question, even though I asked it to you before, because it changes. It's, the answer to this question changes. So this time, today, in 2023, if writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what?
1: Oh gosh. What did I say last time? I have no I idea. I, <laughs> I think I said patience. I said patience last okay. time. Um patience with myself and patience with the process. Um this time. If writing has taught me anything, I think, still patience, but also kind of the the notion of like, find your people, like find the group of either other writers or other creatives or whoever um, that will help support you through this journey because there are a lot of ups and downs um, and it's great to kind of have other people in the same, going through the same process who can really validate (laughs) your emotions and your experiences. Um, and also, it's great to have kind of a sounding board. You know, if, if yeah. you have an idea or something and you just want to ask, like, is this nuts? Um, you'll have those people who you can trust who will, who will tell you the truth and be honest with you. I like and I think that's that's true for life in general. But I found that's really, really valuable in a in a writing career to have that, that group you can rely on for so many
0: things. I agree. I agree. And people could do worse than to have you as a part of that group. <laughs> that oh, thanks. Holly. <laughs> Congratulations on book number two and three and four. And perhaps we will chat again.
1: Let's hope. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. Yeah, I like that. I like find your people. Because that's kind of what this show's about a little bit. I mean, I understand. I'm talking to people mostly who write, not all, but mostly who write. And, you know, we're going through something specific, uh, somewhat unique. And sometimes you got to talk to other writers to remind yourself you're not crazy. Okay, thank my producer. I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. Thank you, my friend. And I want to thank all of you out there for listening. Go find your people. You know how to find your people? You know how to find people who love what you love. They're out there. They're out there. Go find them. Go to a conference. Go to a book club. Go to a bookstore. I don't know. Go find your people. Go find something you love to do and do it.